Mr. Robot Season 1, Episode 3, Debug, is over and has been for a while, but we're just getting started talking about it here on Post Show Recaps on our Mr. Robot Rewatch Podcast. This is Robot Road. I'm Josh Wiggler. I'm joined here by a guy who's about to have a great day at the office, Antonio Mazzaro. How much fun are we about to have right now, Antonio? I guess it depends on your definition of fun, Josh. Do you like beating up homeless people? Not typically, but I don't mind getting hit. Oh, all right. Well, then we can arrange something for sure. Uh, but I am wearing uh, blue gloves as I am talking to you about Mr. Robot, Season 1, Episode 3, wild episode of this show. Yes, this is a wild episode. This is the dawn of Tyrell Wellick, more than anything. And God. this is an insane day in the life of Tyrell Wellick, I must say. Yeah, it's definitely a nutty day for Tyrell in so many ways. Phrasing. Are we not doing <laughs> phrasing anymore? <laughs> phrasing. Oh, gosh. Uh, so we'll talk about everything that goes on with Tyrell. We're talking about the aftermath of Mr. Robot pushing Elliot over the edge, literally. Uh, in last week's episode, there's a lot that goes on there. A lot that's going on with the Evil Corp storyline. Lots going on in so many different storylines. But just to set some things up before we go any further, if this is your first time engaging in the Robot podcast here, the Mr. Robot podcast, well, first off, go back and listen to the others. Otherwise, this one's going to make not as much sense. Uh, we do spoiler-free recaps of every single episode of the first season. We are into week three at this point. We are marching toward the July 13 season two premiere of Mr. Robot and hitting every single episode of season one Along the way, we start our conversations spoiler-free. At some point in the podcast, it becomes spoiler-filled. There will be a big musical cue that will sound the alarm for that, so you won't be able to miss it. Do not listen to that stuff if you have not watched the entirety of Mr. Robot. Season 1, if you have watched all that stuff, you'll really want to get into the spoiler section with us. You can subscribe to what we're doing here on the Mr. Robot podcast. PostShowRecaps.com slash Mr. Robot iTunes. MR Robot iTunes. We've gotten lots of great feedback from a lot of you guys. If you like what we're doing here, star ratings are awesome. Reviews if you like us. Even if you don't, but maybe not if you don't. Uh, so <laughs> that's just how I'm going to set that up. Uh, otherwise, Fair point. Antonio, where do you want to start? I guess we got to start with the Tyrell of it all. Yeah, well, there's the of, of it all, because Tyrell is really kind of at the core of this episode. We begin yeah. the episode watching Tyrell prepare himself, fire himself up, working out in the morning, ready to be the next CTO, as CTO. he says. The, the youngest executive the next CTO of Evil Corp. And I got to tell you, his warm-up is a little self-abusive, Josh. Yeah, you don't, this is not how you prepare yourself for, like, a big day. Like, if you really need to, like, amp up yourself, like, you're not just, like, going to hit yourself in the mirror. That's not what you do. First of all, no, I never run, which is the first thing he did, unless I'm being chased. So uh, he first, he's running, and that's not something I do. But you have a great story about being chased while running once upon a time. <laughs> that is true. A man once stalked me in blue jeans while I was jogging in the park. Uh, he was jogging behind me in blue jeans, uh, beating a very steady pace for a number of miles. Uh, it was very unnerving. I think <laughs> I there, was some, there was some suspicion he may have been sent to kill me. And I got to tell you, Mr. Robot, this show, really feeds that sense of paranoia that I had that day. Uh, and Tyrell Wellick is feeling it that that morning. I mean, he's he's slapping himself, talking to himself, referring to himself as a cold robot, talking about how the com the company still has seventy three vulnerabilities. He gets to that that meeting with the CEO and he immediately gets blown off. That's not a good feeling. That's a terrible feeling. And it's it's like not even that he just gets blown off. He has like two weeks until the meeting is rescheduled. Yeah, and he finds out that, yes, he's not going to be the next CTO because they have a really nice candidate lined up. 
Yeah, they have somebody lined up already. Uh, it's just the worst thing that you are going to hear in this moment. You know, Tyrell has been literally beating himself up over trying to become the CTO. Now imagine what happens. How badly is he going to beat somebody when he finds out that he is not going to be the next CTO? Yes, and he almost immediately launches into plan B. You see him making eyes at the assistant, exchanging a lingering glance, saying, send me that email directly. It's too important to miss. You see him kind of peeking into the conference room and seeing a woman standing in there. Uh, so he does not say, I'm not going to be CTO. They pick somebody else. I'm, I'm going to be happy being basically the assistant CTO or the assistant to the CTO, I guess, depending on your perspective, if you're Dwight Schrute or not. But Mr. CTO. He, uh, that's Mr. CTO to you. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> yeah. So he immediately pivots into plan B, almost like it, without without missing a breath. He's uh, very classy with the CEO. Uh, he starts talking to the assistant, and he starts formulating a second plan, which apparently, Josh, part of that plan involves going under a bridge downtown and beating up a hobo? Well, I think that this isn't so much part of the plan so much <laughs> as, like, a transitionary phase. Yeah, this is part of a routine. Yeah. This hobo says, like, this time. Can I have more money this time? Yeah, can I have 300 bucks this time? And Tyrell is yeah. like, oh, I love your enterprising spirit. That's really great. And he's, like, you know, happy to do it. And as soon as he forks over the money, Tyrell is just straight business mode. Um, and I got to say, like, the scene where he's smacking himself in the mirror, it sounds really awful it, you know it sounds painful like it sounds like it hits really hard but when you're looking at it it kind of looks like he's hitting himself sort of softly it's just like a where's the how much velocity does he have with that hand swipe uh it, it just feels like it probably isn't landing that hard if not for the sound but, but when he's yes. beating the crap out of this homeless man it is so brutal that's one of the most painful looking punches i've ever seen in anything yeah, it looks like a real punch. I mean, it doesn't look like a like a theatrical kind of pratfall punch. Uh, he looks like he's making contact just left hand over and over. And then he gives him the Randy Orton punt kick. Uh, Randy Orton out of nowhere, uh, he gives him the legend killer. He gives him the uh, running up, kicking him in the face after the guy says, please stop. But uh, this is just sheer brutality. Don't most people like go to a gym and hit a boxing bag, Josh? Yeah, but, you know, it's like um, it's like they say in Always Sunny when they eat, uh, where they're like worried that they're going to eat human meat and they're not going to be able to go back. I think it's like <laughs> once it's like once you start punching a homeless man instead of a boxing bag, I think for Tyrell Wellick, who is seemingly a little bit of a psycho there's just no going back from that yeah i kind of want to just get him a heavy bag i don't know I, he's got a big walk-in closet there we could probably set one up but it feels like a punching bag uh, not a, a non-human punching bag yeah. is what is due for tyrell wellick but you're right he's got a taste of this he's look you cannot he's got get the past, taste of blood it's in it's you cannot you cannot get past these first two scenes with tyrell and really just the character as we know him now in general after this episode without talking about patrick bateman from right, american sure. psycho yeah, i was just gonna say there's very heavy connections there for sure and he already seemed like an alien you know like he seemed like uh you know he seemed like a white walker in disguise like he just seemed like you know this total stone cold t-1000 terminator killer from the moment we laid eyes on him there was just something off about tyrell wellick but now given this introduction and as it swells to the big mr robot title card after he has annihilated this homeless person there's no doubt whatsoever that this guy is a nut just a, yeah. a real, real, real scary piece of work. Hasta la vista, hobo. hobo. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really unfortunate because 
we know Elliot is a guy who has psychosis and hallucinations right. and he's got, he's got these delusions and things that he's talked about. And we've kind of seen that sort of starting to play out within the context of the show where Elliot is even saying, am I schizo? Did you see that? He's talking to us in his head. Uh, we know all these things are happening with Elliot. We don't know what Tyrell's deal is. We're just sort of learning about this guy. And if you talk about Patrick Bateman, who does also have hallucinations and sanity issues and psychosis, and he's an unreliable narrator and all the things like Elliot, we don't know if that's the case with Tyrell. But character-wise, there are a lot of similarities between he and Patrick Bateman. And this sort of self-hatred coming out in the form of abuse of others uh, is a very key point there. Um, this is just really rough. It's just hard to watch. And we talked a lot on this podcast already, Josh, in the preview and in the first two episodes about one of the great things about Mr. Robot are the cold opens or the scenes right. before the title card comes up. And of course, the title card in this episode rises over the laying prone body of the homeless man who's been beaten up by Tyro Br- Welling. Brutal, but beautiful shot. Like it yes, just, yes, it, exactly. it, it just looks great. It's really uh, representative. Uh, and all of these shots are just representative of the artistry that goes into the show. Uh, but beautiful and brutal is how I would sum up Mr. Robot. And I think that this is exactly that. Yeah. He's the non-American psycho. American psychosis. Yes, he's the non-American psychosis. Yes, that's what's going on with Tyrell Wellick. So yeah. it's rough. I mean, they, and this is... Swedish psycho. Yes, we have the Swedish psycho coming out here, uh, which would be a great kind of name for a WWE guy. And he's got Randy Orton's move already, so he's set. I feel like Tyrell Wellick is already a great name for a wrestler. Oh, my God, that's Tyrell Wellick! Tyrell Wellick out of nowhere! <laughs> yeah, this it, it would really go down pretty well. Uh, Tyrell Wellick kind of, and you can see him like Triple H, uh, the famous Triple H WWE guy coming in like he's a money guy, he's uh, very dressed up very nice, and then puts the blue gloves on as he gets in the ring and just left hand, left hand, left hand. So this would work really well for Tyrell. He probably, he, you know, he might be looking for a career change uh, since so far the CTO job seems to be eluding him. So maybe he's in for that. Yeah, the Swedish psycho. He would be good in the ring. He needs a good debugging, Josh, is what he needs. He does. All right, so let's talk about this. So we, I think it's a really smart choice to finally start an episode. I mean, finally, it's three episodes in. But to not start on Elliot, who has been our entry character and, you know, is continuing through this episode to be our entry character. Um, but he ends episode two in a very precarious way, pushed over the ledge. We don't know what has happened to him. We assume some, not anything great because that seemed like a pretty far fall. Uh, but to start the episode with Tyrell is not only instructive for the Tyrell character, but it leaves us with, you know, a period of about five minutes of still wondering what happened to Elliot. We get our answer. He's in the hospital and he is musing about what ends up being not just the name of the episode, but kind of the theme of the episode. Uh, I'll let you speak to that. Yeah, he talks about debugging, and I think that this is absolutely the theme of the episode. Elliot, his voiceover has been very prevalent throughout the first two episodes, as you're indicating, but he has also been our kind of intro character to the world. So it is nice seeing this scene from an, another character's total point of view. I mean, we have only the Tyrell Wellick point of view in this scene. It is not a scene about Elliot. It is not a scene involving Elliot. It's Wellick getting ready for the thing, and it's Wellick going to the meeting, and it's Wellick beating the homeless man up, none of which involve Elliot. And now we only see Elliot in the hospital, as you're talking about, and then his voiceover comes in. And his voiceover throughout this episode talks about the idea of debugging, about finding kind of flaws or security issues in your system that you can then address uh, and that maybe aren't necessarily problems so much as errors in the way systems are set up. If you created a Rube Goldberg machine, something that you wanted to work from beginning to Isn't end. is he like, a wrestler as well? 
Rube Goldberg. Yeah. yeah. Goldberg. Yes. That's he is. He WCW is not around anymore, but Rube Goldberg was the man yeah. for a while. Yeah. Uh, until I think he got tased or maybe he got knocked over. I don't remember how it all played out, but yeah, Rube Goldberg was a, was a big, he's a big Atlanta Falcons guy too. Yeah. Cool. So if you're building that Rube Goldberg machine with a bald uh, giant man on one side <laughs> of it. Uh, and then you want to go chunk from Goonies and try to open a gate or whatever. You might want to run the machine a couple times to see if your whole process works out. Right. And that's kind of the debugging process where you're finding the flaws and you're trying to fix them. And so Elliot's talking about debugging. And the first thing he really says is it's not about fixing a mistake. It's about finding the bug and understanding why it was there. He says here, it came to you to deliver a message. Its existence was no accident. It's like an unconscious bubble floating to the surface, popping with a revelation you'd known all along. Yeah. Uh, and this is what is in Elliot's mind as we see him waking up in a hospital, having been forced off the, the rail by Mr. Robot, uh, and he's on a morphine drip. And who's standing there but Shayla and Krista? Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that Krista is there and that Elliot has just said this. And Elliot has been seeing a therapist. He's been seeing a psychiatrist, Krista. And really, if only he could just, like, listen to himself. Like, a lot of these issues that he's wrestling with right now, you know, he's describing that. That's very good therapeutic advice for anybody. Uh, you know, we all have our demons. We all have our bugs that we would like to deprogram. And he is describing something that's really, really great if you just like listen to your own advice yeah he's just find the errors in your code and reprogram right i mean that's what easier said than done but you know it's 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 good to identify at the very least sure and i think that this episode talks a lot about the errors in thinking that we operate with as we go throughout uh, our daily lives the way we look at the world there's an incident we talk we'll talk about later with angela and a wallet uh, that involves an assumption that's incorrect oftentimes i think in programming uh, uh, the that are incorrect. Uh, and it's basically just like a test. You're running these, these system tests to find where you might have any problems in, in the program. Uh, and ultimately, Elliot's got problems in his program regardless, because something has put him in a position where he was able to be manipulated by yeah. Mr. Robot. Something has put him in, him in a position where he found himself at the bottom, on the rocks, literally, as a yeah. result of these things. Yeah. And so he's, he's thinking about that as he's lying in the hospital. Yeah, so he's here, and Shayla apparently is his emergency contact. Uh, so that like kind of speaks to who Elliot can trust in his life. It's not even Angela is his emergency contact. Right, and this is, uh, this is some fascinating stuff about Elliot, because we know that he's been in therapy for a while. We know he was forced into therapy. We also know that he hasn't really been working at Allsafe that long, that Angela did recommend him for the job. So the people that are, that are at Allsafe, he hasn't known them for all that long of a time. But we also know from this episode and from earlier episodes that he has known Angela for a really long time, that that's someone he's known since childhood. And so for, the, for her not to be his, uh, his emergency contact is interesting. The fact that it's Shayla is interesting. To me, it shows that there are some parts of Elliot's life that Elliot does want to keep away from even the people that are closest to him, that he sort of built a firewall around himself uh, to keep his problems away from people like Angela, uh, who maybe are the people that are the very closest to him in the world. He and doesn't that he's want more the personal to people in his life to be able to perform a DDoS attack. Right. Or just to be able to, to debug him, to yeah. be able to analyze his problems or look into him and say, oh, Elliot, you're in the hospital again. What did you do this time? It's better to have a near stranger, uh, uh, your drug dealer, ultimately, yeah. uh, as your emergency contact. Literally a than near it is stranger to have your really considering, good considering she lives next door. 
Exactly. A near stranger. That's right. Yeah. So this is what's going on. And Elliot doesn't even remember. He doesn't remember that he woke up earlier. He doesn't remember that he's requested Krista to be there. Uh, the police will not let him leave the hospital without a psychiatric evaluation, which is interesting. Uh, I don't know. He's his version of the story is he got jumped by some kids. Right. We know that that's not true from at least from what we've seen. I Christian mean, Slater maybe that is, what is no kid. He's no kid, but we're, we, we've talked a lot on these podcasts, Josh, about how Elliot may not be the most reliable person, that his reality field is distorted. Even what we're seeing through his eyes or in the scenes that he's in may be distorted. So he, maybe he was beat up by some kids. We don't really know ultimately if everything that happened on the pier went down as he is saying it did or not, but he's certainly lying about it to Krista based on what we do know. Yeah. So Krista is, you know, he admits to Krista that he has been using morphine and everything, and she wants him to take a test, submit to a drug test bi-monthly, and then she'll recommend his release. He very reluctantly agrees because this is not going to be great. He claims he's not an addict. Like, he's, he does not need it. He's not hooked on morphine. Uh, and as soon as he says, I won't do morphine again, we see him in, like, a grocery store doing morphine. Like right away. Immediately. And it's, it's, yeah, this is tough because he's talking more about the debugging and he's saying there's usually a sense the bug is coming toward you to gum up the works until you make a call, kill me or embrace me. Uh, I think you could certainly look at his drug use as evidence of some kind of bug in his system. Uh, he's either needing, you know, the bugs or the drugs. He's embracing them, and they are going to kill him. And there's a lot of that going on. Uh, he also has the ability to hack the hospital. He's specifically chosen this facility as his primary care facility because, as we see in a montage, uh, he has the ease of hacking this hospital and changing his drug records so he looks like everyone else. Uh, a bi-monthly drug test, even as it is for a, an addict, is not that difficult to pass. Ultimately, uh, it, it is not the easiest thing. Clearly, if you have a daily habit, but those kind of drugs that they'd be testing for, they don't stay in your system that long. And bi-monthly is certainly not a long. Like if you did heroin tomorrow, Josh, and didn't do it again for two months, you'd be soups clean on heroin. Uh, but it's just not something that. I don't think it's that oppressive. He acts like it's not a big deal. He doesn't want to be treated like a junkie, but he's also hacking the hospital to make it clear that he's passing these tests. And that's, that's, I think, behavior that shows you that he maybe is more of a junkie than he thinks he is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, well. this is a guy, right, who says he's on 30 <laughs> milligrams a day, but he's regulating it by taking withdrawal meds. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, I'm on we, withdrawal meds. It's going to be fine. We're going to be all right here. And, and we didn't see the, the consequences yet, but last episode, he turned in the only dealer that was his access to this medicine. So he's still doing the morphine, uh, and without his withdrawal meds, I got to think he's going to spiral even further downward into the morphine use here. Yeah, not great. Not fantastic. Uh, speaking of getting Fernando Vera busted, Shayla is like, hey, did you do that? Was that you? Did you bust Fernando? Because if so, you kind of... In, you know, inadvertently got me fired from my job. I'm sort of jobless right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and Elliot, she says, don't lie. And Elliot says, no, I didn't. No, you know, I didn't which do it. we know is a lie, which we know me. is a lie. Yeah. 
But like I said, he just told Krista that he wouldn't do morphine again, and then he immediately did it again. Yeah. So he is a liar, uh, and he is kind of unreliable, and he he is a guy that's sort of manipulatable and has an agenda and has issues, which is, I think, why in his voiceover he says, I was the bug within Evil Corp that Mr. Robot found. So he recognizes, I think, that he has weaknesses, that he can be manipulated, that he has problems. When we see him hacking his hospital software records, we see he's got the conditions listed. Depression, anxiety, TMJ, Josh, lower back pain. TMJ stands for too much Josh, isn't that right? Way too much Josh. Get him out of here. (laughs) Lower lower back pain. I know the girls on Urban Dictionary would disagree, but. Girl one and girl two? Yeah, I think they're both, they would disagree with that. Yes. Well, he, this Elliot is in bad shape. He's got a lot going on. He's self-medicating. He's an easy person that has been targeted and abused by Mr. Robot and by F society. Uh, and he's lying to Shayla for, for really no reason. And he did, he did turn her in and Darlene is waiting for him when he gets home, just waiting for F society to dig their heels in a little bit more on Elliot. Yeah. Do you know what's good news though? What is good news? F society has a new, uh, fan girl. Is it Sia? It's not Sia. Oh, okay. Sia Who wants to give $50,000 to Mr. Robot and to his charity of uh, choice, which I assume is F Society. Oh, I was going to say, I wonder what charity Mr. Robot would choose. Yeah, just, to, you know, F Society. It's just like, yeah, we got to fund this. F Society. Yeah. FSociety.org. FSociety.org. <laughs> is that episode four's title? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Probably. No, Jessica Alba wants in. That's great news. Oh. The, the, I thought you said a celebrity. The, the, <laughs> the Dark Angel herself. Oh, the Dark Angel. That's right. Yeah, yeah sure. Jessica Alba once in on F Society. That's great. This would be great for Jessica Alba uh, to get in on F Society, to be on Mr. Robot. I feel like this would be a big boost. Maybe uh, maybe we'll see Jessica Alba in season two. Maybe like, she will actually make a cameo appearance. Heck, maybe she makes a cameo appearance in season one, Josh. Save that for the spoiler section when it's revealed that <laughs> Jessica Alba is on Mr. Robot and is controlling everything. Oh, no. Oh, I should have that for the spoiler that. segment. Oh, spoiler. I know. Now we're just like uh, we're sinning all over the place. It's like Sin City over here. <laughs> Obviously, all of that was a lie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I just think that's a funny note. It's like, oh, the Dark Angel is really into F Society. So F Society is big enough that there are, you know, tacit celebrity endorsements, B level celebrity endorsements, but celebrity endorsements all the same. Yeah, Max Guevara. Yep, we're there. That's where we She's are. She's there. That's where we are. Yep. Uh, how about this scene where Angela, poor Angela, is out for a run? She is just trying to do the right thing when she sees a man who is also out for a run, uh, who may or may not be the man that chased Antonio in a park once upon a time, uh, (laughs) dropping his wallet. And she picks up the wallet and she goes to the guy's like, hey, you dropped this. He's like, oh, sweet. Thanks so much. And then he runs away. And then another woman enters the scene and goes, you just gave him my wallet. Why did you do that? And poor Angela, you know, is just like, I tried to do the right thing. Oh, no, I screwed up. Yeah, like I said, this is where Elliot's voiceover is. A bug is never a mistake. It represents something bigger, an error of thinking Mm -hmm. that makes you who you are. We see Angela trying to do the right thing or what she thinks the right thing is, which is tell someone, hey, you dropped your wallet. That ends up being the wrong thing because no good deed goes unpunished. And then Ollie, a douchebag Ollie, boyfriend Ollie, says to Angela, you're a good person almost to a fault. You're too good 
for the world, he says. And that is really, that would seem to be the error of her thinking that makes her who she is, that she thinks that she can just do good and, and that it's the right thing to do always. And we see in a very quick scene there that it's not always the right thing to do. And I think this is interesting because Elliot's role with F Society, he's really struggling. If you'll recall, part of the reason Mr. Robot shoved him off the rail is because Mr. Robot wanted to blow up a plant uh, in order to create some situations where backup data would be gone from Steel Mountain, the data facility, where Evil Corp was keeping a lot of their backups. Right. And he wanted to blow up this gas plant to set in motion this plan that would get rid of those backups. And Elliot didn't want to do that because he didn't want to cause harm to people. He wanted to do it a better way. And Mr. Robot said, that's a violation. Like, you agreed to help, and now you're backing out. Like, we're not going to do it that way. And Elliot, you know, he tried to tell Mr. Robot, like, I have a plan how we can do this without doing it. And Mr. Robot said, I don't want to hear it, and shoves him down. Right. Then when Darlene was there in his apartment, uh, she's basically telling him, I suggest you get a grip. Like, you know, you need to focus on helping us. You need to focus on what your role in this should be. And Elliot is, is not really trying to play a part. Like, he's struggling with whether he's going to do the right, the quote-unquote right thing and what the right thing even is. And we see Angela just assuming the right thing is helping other people, and we see negative consequences of that. So a lot of this episode, I think, is about the decisions that people are making, and that was the ones and zeros theme of last episode. But I think Elliot is very much still struggling with what is good, what is bad, what is the right thing, am I a good person, am I a bad person, how do I manifest that in the decisions I make, and is it going to come back to bite me in the end, like getting shoved off of a rail? Right. Uh, by the way, it turns out, you know, Turtle from Entourage, who we saw, was not just, you know, <laughs> huckstering his CDs on the street, but also has some sort of nefarious ties. He gives Ollie a call and gives him, you know, the 100-hour deadline. You got you to gotta do this thing for us. Otherwise, all the information will be released. And I wonder what the information... Good, good impression. Good I impression. wonder what the information is at the time. Is it like he's going to tell everybody that Ollie is a big Josh Groban fan? I feel like that's already publicized. Yeah, he already liked it on Facebook. You yeah. know, we like George W. Bush's decision points. Which right. We know these things have happened. But we also know, uh, and, and we'll learn more in this episode, really, that there's a lot of personal information. We get the, the unfortunate pictures of Angela that were taken. We have uh, her personal social security number, her father's bank and social security information because she's used the laptop to pay her debts and her student loans and all of this. So it's it's that information. It's very personal information, along with Ollie's just ridiculous, sad, pathetic, weird life. Yeah, he's the worst. I don't know what Ollie's overall bug is, but he just bugs me. Yeah, his bug is being named Ollie because in, in TV, <laughs> in TV, in TV trope ways. That's the death sentence. Yeah, since Syphil and Ollie, there hasn't been a good Ollie. <laughs> Uh, what about Oliver Queen? Oh, well, that he's, yeah, he's such a great guy. Very upstanding guy, Oliver Queen. Never hurt anyone around him whatsoever. Exception to the rule. Uh, hey, do you want to go to dinner? Where are we going to go? Can we, can we get some steaks? I, I mean, I'd like to go to Morton's. Can we, but if, if it's not Morton's, maybe it would still be okay. Morton's is closed, unfortunately, but Gideon's is wide open. Oh, what is Gideon's atmosphere like? Gideon's is great. It's like this beautiful Manhattan loft. Uh, the wait time is a little uncomfortable, and like just like sort of a the 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 instructions aren't particularly clear in terms of how long you're supposed to wait before knocking on the door. People don't really pay attention to you until after you've already been there for like a half hour. So that part's a little uncomfortable. But the restaurant itself, the space is gorgeous. Does it, how, what about the main entrance? Is there like a really cool way to get into the place? Or 
Yeah, it's just like this like gig- a giant, <laughs> gigantic sliding door, yeah, freight elevator type of door. Yeah, Gideon's apartment is really cool. We're not there quite yet, but Gideon is inviting his employees, like his favorite employees, out to dinner to his place to cook for them. And Elliot's kind of like, eh, I'll pass. Yeah, Gideon is, uh, I mean, look, this is this is the thing. Like, things between Elliot and Gideon are a little weird. We've seen in the first two episodes that Elliot hasn't been truthful with Gideon, that he left the F-Society kind of loophole in the server, that he lied and changed the IP to Terry Colby's IP, uh, which, bro, Chacho, I got to tell you, uh, if that change doesn't get your pulse racing, I don't know what would. Uh, but ultimately, Terry Colby is in some serious trouble because Elliot lied, and he's lied and kept that from Gideon. And meanwhile, Gideon has been a true bro to Elliot. He's told him, like, hey, you know, I'm gay, right? Like, I want you in my personal life. I want to give you a raise. I want to be good to you. And in this scene, Gideon's really worried about Elliot because Elliot's coming into work, missing work some days. When he comes in, his head's all broken up. His knuckles are busted. He looks terrible. Like, I, I think Gideon has every right to be worried about Elliot in this scene, for sure. Yeah, I think so, too, especially when he's like, I don't know how much you want to talk about your personal life. And Elliot's like, yeah. how about not? At all. Like, how about we just never discuss that? I'm sorry. I'm just being honest with you. Uh, Yeah, and it's tough. It's tough. Can you imagine trying to talk about Elliot's personal life with Elliot? I mean, this is a guy who in his head right after that is basically saying, like, nobody can find my bug. I'm never showing anyone my source code. I close myself off and create my own, what he calls a cold, perfect maze where no one can ever find me. That's the life this guy leaves. So when his Isn't that like uh, what happens to Jack Nicholson at the end of The Shining? Oh, yeah. Cold, perfect maze. (laughs) Exactly like that. Yep. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Danny! Spoiler alert. Yes. Uh, Whatever. That's an even older movie than American Psycho, and we already spoiled that one. We're fine. Did we spoil American Psycho? Yeah, we kind of like talked about his delusions and stuff. I feel like that kind of goes down that way. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're right. The K-hole. That's a K-hole. You'll <laughs> never a, find your way out. That's a K-hole moment sure. for sure. Uh, I love, you know, when Elliot is, you know, he's talking about that maze and no one can ever find him there. But lo and behold, here's Mr. Robot, who is very much, uh, he has very much found Elliot. And he's here at All Safe, and he's just hanging out. He's just waiting for Elliot to finish up his meeting with Gideon. And, like, no one's worried about, like, the weird-looking dude with, like, the baggy clothes and the glasses just chilling in Elliot's desk. Yeah, speaking of uh, Jack Nicholson representations of a bad way of Jack Nicholson, here's Christian Slater. (laughs) Man, uh, a young Jack Nicholson as Mr. Robot would be really great. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think their two careers are very, I mean, I think there's definitely the, there's some very close connections there. And yeah, Mr. Robot just showing up, cat calling women in the office, Josh, saying that he, you know, he, Elliot should go with this redhead and then making very untoward remarks about redheads and the entire nation of Ireland and just being a nuisance and basically telling Elliot, I'm going to be a nuisance here, or you can go next door with me and have a drink and we can talk. Uh, and I, I, neither of those choices seem to be a good one for Elliot, that's for sure. Yeah, especially because the let's go have a drink and talk requires drinking apple teenies. <laughs> well, does it require it? I mean, it feels like Elliot had a choice. Like, he doesn't want to drink anything. Mr. Robot just, tells him. I thought it was just the illusion of choice. Yes, well, it's the illusion of choice when you don't really have a choice. That's exactly right. It's, and, it's you know, it's apple teeny or it's orange teeny. <laughs> or could well you are you comparing apple oranges apples to oranges? Yeah, I what guess we that, should that compare happening? apple teenies to orange teenies. Yes, I mean there's only one way to go with that, and yeah. I think that you could have the apple teeny because it is an absence of choice thing. Mister Robot is enjoying an apple teeny. Uh, Elliot says that'll be fine, and he downs it in one gulp, so he yeah, doesn't really have to save the plate. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Chuck's the Appletini. Is- I wonder how strong that Appletini is because he's like so chipper in the upcoming sequence. And I like to view that scene as though like he's just like slightly buzzed on Appletini. I like, I like it. I like it. That maybe I'm going to start drinking Apple teenies. If that's the, if you get to hear steal my sunshine by Len after you drink one, I want to drink one every day. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. So yeah, this is weird. This, so this scene between Elliot and Mr. Robot here, uh, they're, they're at this watering hole that's nearby to Elliot's office and they're, they're really kind of talking it out. And, and basically Elliot says, this is your last chance. Tell me what, tell me what you want. Tell me what you want from me. I don't understand. You need to tell me what's up. Mr. Robot starts apologizing, which is kind of awkward, right? Like, sorry, I tried to kill you, man. <laughs> I'm really, really apologetic about that. Uh, yeah. But what are you going to do? C'est la vie. Uh, and then this, then this prick, pardon my French, Mr. Robot, says, oh, by the way, let's talk about your dad again. Know how much you love doing that. I'm sure your dad didn't want to hurt you either. People who get violent only get that way because they don't know how to communicate, you know, and why does he keep bringing up? This is just Mr. Robot is a dick, Josh. He, <laughs> he really kind of is. He's just a dick. You He's know. like, let me try to kill you and bring up the thing that you're really sensitive about. And I'm just going to do it over and over. Uh, and, and just going to rub it in and keep reminding you that I'm, that I'm well. you know, that that of all these bad things that have happened. Well, I think, you know, we've been seeing a different side of Mr. Robot with every episode. You know, we saw him as kind of the Robin Hood type, sort of with this noble cause in the first episode. In the second episode, we see the violent side of him. In this, we see the Mia Culpa. And it sounds to me like you don't, it sounds to Mia that you don't like uh, the Mia Culpa that much. But he's trying. Uh, but he is, you know, he's poking at Elliot's bug here. Uh, and we're going to see that that's deliberate later on in the episode. Right. And I think that's the main part of this is that in the moment when we're watching this the first time, we don't know that poking at the bug for that reason has some sort of kind of greater plan in play. Uh, and then we find out by the end of this episode that Mr. Robot is a very manipulative SOP. Yeah. That he really does know exactly what buttons to push. He knows exactly how to get at people, specifically Elliot, and get what he wants out of them. Uh, and he can do that through being kind. He can do that through being violent. He can do it through it all. But really, he's putting Elliot in a position where Elliot is pulled in eight different directions by this inconsistent treatment from Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot selling Elliot on making a difference. Mr. Robot selling Elliot on being weak. Mr. Robot pushing Elliot off of a ledge and then apologizing for it. Uh, All in service of, I think, getting Elliot to the point where he can easily be manipulated. And I think Elliot recognizes that. He basically says later in the episode, like, Mr. Robot found my bug. But in this moment, in this scene, I don't think Elliot does recognize it. And I think that it's odd because Mr. Robot kind of is walking away. And he's like, sometimes pushing your kid away is easier. Don't stay mad at him for too long. Right. And that's where he leaves it. But we find out later. Yeah. He's really just, he knows what buttons to push. Exactly. He's a smart guy. Uh, this next scene is, I, I know I, <laughs> we're going to say a lot of compliments about this show all the way through, but this whole steal my sunshine sequence has to be one of the greatest sequences in the entire show so far. Yes, I laugh. I laugh no matter how many times I see this episode. I laugh so hard. (laughs) It's just great to see Elliot Alderson walking around like, I'll go see those stupid Marvel movies. I'll drink Starbucks. Yeah, I'll join the gym. I'll I'll like things on Instagram. Yeah, I could get... I'll even drink vanilla lattes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe I'll date Shayla. Yeah. I love when he goes up to Gideon. He's like, can I still come over? And Gideon's like, yeah, that's awesome. He's like, can I bring my girlfriend? And Gideon's like, you have a girlfriend? I didn't know that. And it's like, not yet. 
but I'm going to ask yeah. her. I hope she'll say yes. And Gideon, you can kind of tell, because Gideon's starting to get like a little weirded out by Elliot in this episode. I wonder if it like really starts here, where he's like, oh, that's strange. That's a, <laughs> that's a bizarre comment that you've just made. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> as soon as Elliot leaves... Gideon rushes to his, his assistant and says, was he drinking Starbucks? <laughs> is there any chance that Elliot is just like a little bit tipsy on that Apple teeny? He drank it so fast. I mean, yeah, there's a chance it was a $12 Apple teeny, which in my part of the world means it better be pretty strong. But in your part of the world probably means <laughs> it's a pretty normal Apple teeny. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a pretty basic Apple teeny. That's like, yeah, that's like a double. That's like a double on my end in here in the Cincinnati area. So <laughs> oh, my I don't God. Know. I just love the, if you steal my sunshine. I just love that whole, <laughs> that whole thing is just so spectacular. It's just an incredible well, it's, scene. It's just great because there are a lot of pop culture ties uh, of the 80s and 90s to this show. Uh, Elliot is a child of, you know, of that generation and Steal My Sunshine, one hit wonder kind of song, but definitely a song that's popped and it's been used in other shows to comic effect. And here we go with Elliot. Uh, perfect. I mean, the tone of this show, you compare, contrast Steal My Sunshine to the sort of dark droning music that's playing over the beaten down hobo right. as the title card pops up. It's the perfect kind of, and the way the scene is shot, there's this beautiful kind of time lapse of all the, the, the buzzing of New York city, the, the life of the city during the day, people moving around and uh, the clouds and just a pretty day. And Elliot just cruising through. It's just great. Elliot becomes basic all of a sudden. Yeah. He is a basic Elliot. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about somebody who is not basic at all. Uh, which Are we is, getting back to Wellick? Yeah, let's get to Wellick. We're talking about Tyrell Wellick, and Tyrell Wellick, uh, his wife is debuting here. This is Joanna Wellick. Uh, great character. Very interesting character, as we see in both of her scenes in this episode. Yes, uh, she just appears on screen. She's quite pregnant. Um, this is we, We've seen her kind of in pictures and in comments uh, on Facebook and on Wellick's page in previous episodes, but we did not see her in person until now. She is very pregnant. She wants to know what Wellick's doing. He's in his walk-in Patrick Bateman closet, trying to get dressed up and doing what he's doing. He's looking on Instagram and he's, he's looking at a picture of that very same CEO's assistant from earlier. Uh, who's posting? This is why you don't l- use location on your Instagram photos, Josh. Is that right? That's the reason. Yeah, because Tyrell Wellick will find you. <laughs> yes, the Swedish We all know psycho. what happens after. We all know what happens after that. Yeah, the Swedish cycle will will track you down and will make you feel so loved. But it turns out it's just a game. Forever unclean. Forever unclean. Uh, so yes. we we have this scene with Joanna, who's saying like, "Is this for you or is it for us?" And Tyrell says, "Everything I do is for us." Uh, and us, yeah, us know, is me. He we, says, yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting. Uh, it, these people seem to be really in lockstep with whatever's going on, especially if you combine this with the scene we get later in the episode. Yep, yep, and we'll get to that. But this is uh, this is the first kind of. We now realize Wellick has an attractive, pregnant wife who's very interested in his affairs, um, both uh, of, I think, affairs of state and affairs in general, uh, things that are that are going on at the house and at the office and the intersection of those two. Uh, and whether or not she's a partner in crime or how involved in that, we don't know. But Elliot is saying, like, you know, me is us. So what I'm doing for me is, is for us only. And that seems to be at least what uh, the story is, at least at, at this point. Yeah. All right. How about, you know, we already so we're talking about some love right now. Let's talk about some blossoming romance here between Elliot and Shayla. Shayla is also weirded out by this girlfriend pitch, at least initially. 
Yeah, I thought you could come as my girlfriend. And she's like, what is your problem? That's such a weird thing to say to me right now. Uh, yeah. She's <laughs> like, ask that girl from this morning. Yeah. Like, she seemed like she was up for it. Yeah, you don't even know me. Yeah. And this is a great scene, though, because Elliot doesn't really know Shayla. Elliot basically gets his voiceover on, as he does, and he says, of course I know Shayla. I knew her the second she moved in. Shayla knows, though, what she he's thinking about. And she's like, you know, I'm not talking about the stuff you can find online, which is exactly what he's thinking about. And she says, I'm talking about the real me. And so Elliot says, tell me the real you. I want to know. And then we get the tender music, and she shows Elliot art that she makes, quilts, uh, knitting. She's talking about drawings and things that she's done. And Elliot's voiceover says, I've never seen this before. She yeah. must. And Shayla says, I never posted online. So she's finishing his internal sentences. Maybe this could work, Josh. <laughs> Maybe it could work. I think one of the things that's interesting about Elliot, and he talks about how he wants to protect his cold little maze where no one can find him is we right. have, we have now seen a couple of times people can find Elliot. Uh, Darlene always seems to find him in his apartment yeah. for one. Um, Angela reads him, you know, essentially reads him the riot act at the end of episode one, where she is saying, let me lose. Stop. Like, just, just say yes. Like knows that he's like in his head in that moment. And here we have Shayla too, who is, if not, you know, catching Elliot in the maze, at least is inside the maze and catches glimpses of him, you know, knows like to kind of read where he's at right now. And so I think that Elliot, for all of his intelligence and all of his attempts to close him off, and he does, you know, to close himself off, he does a really great job at all of that, but he doesn't do a perfect job. And, you know, he is somebody who wonders about what's my flaw, what's my error, and maybe the flaw or something that's at least at least worth him examining is I actually do let people in, and then you have to decide, is it such a bad thing that there are people in my maze? Yeah. And uh, this is a very, you're right. It, is it such a bad thing? And the fact that Shayla has her own maze and Elliot is recognizing that is the bond that, that he finds the ability to form and that he basically asks if he can kiss her off of uh, because he recognizes that she, like him, has this sort of protected space. And maybe it's worth letting somebody in who I think Elliot's words ultimately in his voiceover uh, are are basically that maybe her bug is wanting normalcy but stuck in the outer fringes. Yeah. Wanting normalcy oh, but fringe. not knowing how to participate, just yeah. like me. So it is only recognizing that other people keep other people out of their mazes, that Shayla has her own maze that she's built for herself, that Elliot finally finds some, some like a kindred spirit or something that he can associate with because – he seemed very dissociative up to this point, for sure. Yeah. He can't even go to Angela's birthday party. Right, right. Uh, it's a big step that he is going to a dinner party. You know, like, that's a, right. that's a really big deal for him. Uh, so they kiss, and it's happy, and it's great. And she says, don't let me down. Don't let me down, Elliot Alderson. Uh, well, we'll see about that. I mean, Elliot is kind of, he just, like, seems like the ter- type of person that lets people down. Yeah, uh, that is, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, is this going to be Chekhov's don't let me down? Like, I mean, this is, when she says that, it almost seems like, look, this guy is not a guy you can rely on. Like, he's he's putting himself in league with some very dangerous people one way or the other. Of course, she was in league with some very dangerous people as well. Yeah. So maybe the two of them can find some solace in each other, and maybe that will work out. But I think, you know, she's calling it out like, you're a pretty troubled guy. Please be cool if we're going to do this. Yep, yep, yeah, and I don't know. That's uh, it's interesting because Elliot, his immediate voiceover after that is 
sometimes, uh, you know, bugs usually get a bad rap, but sometimes they, when they finally make themselves known, they can be exhilarating. Yeah. Like you just unlock something, a grand opportunity waiting to be taken advantage of. And you feel like maybe, um, that his bug, whatever it is in his person that is not right. Uh, maybe he's recognized that and he's fixing that. Maybe Elliot is on the upswing here and that Shayla and he relate their relationship is going to represent that. Very possible. All right, so they are kissing. They are making out. That's really great. Now Tyrell Wellick also is making out, but not with his wife. Yeah, not with his wife at all. Uh, this is – he's making – I guess it – Elliot has asked for a kiss, Josh, in an awkward kind of way. Tyrell Wellick just takes one. Yeah, commands it. Yes, he just – I'm going to kiss you. This is what happens. And yeah. this is – this is the assistant from work, Mr. Wellick. What are you doing here? I didn't know you come to places like this. I came here for you. Uh, we're going to smash faces together here, and this is what's going to happen. It's such a great moment, too. You know what I love about it is, like, Tyrell goes, oh, what's your name again? And that's, like, such a hollow question that is completely, you know, totally taken down a second later when he says, I'm here for you. Uh, like, right. So obviously he knows his name. I don't know why he's even lying about that in the first place. He's nagging him, Josh. He's nagging him. <laughs> it's very quick. I don't even remember your name. It's a very quick nagging. Uh, but <laughs> he, he kisses him. He says, I'm not like, saying it didn't work. It yeah, certainly works. It really worked. Yeah. But he goes, I think you're beautiful. I want to take you home. Uh, you know, we talk about the Patrick Bateman of it all. A moment like that really makes me feel like I could see Christian Bale playing this character. Like there's just like a very like Christian Bale line delivery about that you could you can hear christian bale's whole i think you're beautiful i'm going to take you home uh it's great great moment love this yeah it is and again very patrick bateman as you're saying and uh that happens they there there is that's happening uh that that sure happens um elliot's voiceover continues to drag and or not drag but connect this episode together he's talking about bugs still and then here he says a bug's only reason for existence to help you fix a mistake, help you to right a wrong. And what feels better than that? Um, we see kind of some awkward uh, social interactions here outside of the Thieves Guild, outside of Casa de Gideon, uh, outside <laughs> da, da, of, you know, da, Gideon's da, Steakhouse. Da, 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 da. Just like some Muzak playing would be nice. <laughs> Yes, exactly. While you're in the waiting room. Is there a coat room? Can I hang my coat up anywhere? <laughs> Lloyd shows up with a really nice Lloyd! suit on you. Lloyd, is Lloyd your favorite character on this show? No. Uh, Turtle is okay. my favorite character from Entourage. All right, all right, just checking. So Lloyd is there, yeah. Not the Lloyd from Entourage. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is a different Lloyd. Lloyd is, uh, it's funny because Angela and Ollie are there, Elliot and Shayla are there, and then Lloyd rolls up, rolls up solo, stag. just ready to eat. I think it's great. Yeah. yeah I think it's... He's going, yeah, st- so, he's going stag. He's showing up stag to the Thieves Guild, and he's ready to rock. Uh, it's just, it's funny because this this social like interaction here... Thieves Guild. Well, have you played Skyrim? No, I haven't because I know that I will. Listen, I'm already down the robot hole. I cannot afford to get sucked down the Skyrim hole. Yeah, that's a sky hole. You'll never find. Don't want to go there. Don't want to go there. Yeah, this is. But uh, seriously, it's a thieves guild, and Gideon, uh, Gideon's partner, is making loose small talk with, which is a mistake, Uh uh, with Elliot. Elliot doesn't do small talk very well. And uh, what what happens here? How long have Ollie and Angela been together? Different answers. It's like a year, three years. Uh, uh. (laughs) (laughs) But what about Elliot and Shayla? Today, we just got together. (laughs) So. You know, it's pretty great. Oh, this is just so. I mean, this is like you're Dinner's begging off for to a great to start. Up. Off to a great yeah. start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they had this horrific, horrendous wait time, and now they're having this awful, like this chilly icebreaker conversation. It is frigid. It is cold. Yeah, and it is bad. And Gideon wants to break the ice by saying, "Elliot, 
come outside to the grill with me, which yeah. look one-on-one time is never great for Elliot anyway, but what's going on here? And then Gideon says, I have a confession. Yeah. What is he confessing here? That he had, uh, that he, that he Gideon didn't really feel great about Elliot keeping that information from him yeah. about the dat file. So he had them check the server again. And Elliot's like, oh my gosh, in his head, like I have to kill the suspicion. I gotta do, I gotta do something here. He recognizes that socially he needs to do something to make Gideon feel at ease. So he says basically, like I was worried that that file wasn't right, and I didn't want you to get your hopes up. That's why I didn't tell you before the meeting. And then uh, Gideon's just like, oh, I feel bad now because I, I was, you know, this guy didn't tell me because he didn't want to let me down. And so Gideon wants to hug Elliot. Josh, he wants to get you're him a big a hug. hugger. I would be. Yeah, I would great. love to hug Gideon. Gideon looks like a great hugger. I would have a really good time hugging Gideon. Elliot would not like the hug. I would not like to hug Elliot Alderson. Yeah, he has a no touching policy as it no is touch. in his head. He says, "He says shit. I'm going to have to let him hug him. Uh-huh. Hug me, aren't I? You know." Yeah. Gideon says, "I care about you. You don't have to keep things from me. Like this is the last thing Elliot needs as a father figure here." Not great. Definitely not. Yeah. He's not. He's not into it. But the night is going well because that's squashed. He doesn't have to worry about that. Uh, everybody's hanging out. Elliot and Angela are hanging out. So Shayla is rolling hard enough that she could just hold conversations down. She's just, you know, holding court inside the Thieves Guild, having a great time. Elliot and Angela are talking. Elliot has his voice over. He's like, this is nice. You know, I, I might be able to get used to this. Uh, and then everything comes crashing down. Oh, Shayla's on MDMA. <laughs> I didn't said say she was rolling. That. I didn't say that. Oh, ecstasy, yeah, MDMA. Different said she was kind of rolling. Oh, yeah, you know, you're right. That she, I don't know. I, I thought about that a couple times when I've seen this episode. Is what is Shayla doing? Who is Shayla talking to while Elliot and Angela are sitting there reminiscing? Is she really making small talk with Ollie? Like, is she talking to Lloyd? Like, is she is she just talking to Giddy? Like, what are their common like, interests? Yeah, I gotta feel like Shayla and Lloyd are chilling. Like, I don't think. Like, yeah. I, and I think like Ollie is probably talking their ear off, and then Ollie is gonna have like a bathroom break, and Shayla and Lloyd are gonna be like, "Wow, douche chills." <laughs> Why like, is he talking about decision points? Yeah, they're just going to bond. <laughs> Why did he just insist on putting Josh Groban on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but here we go. I mean, we talked about this before that Mr. Robot is pushing, uh, you know, he is he is identifying Elliot's bug. And Elliot's bug is, you know, all of this guilt that he has about his dad and this whole thing that comes out about Challenge Beast Terry Colby and his involvement in some really bad stuff. That seems to be, you know, the reason why Elliot's father and Angela's mother, in fact, uh, are no longer with us. Yeah, this is full tilt, bro, Chacho, for sure. Yeah. Terry Colby, not a good man, and definitely did uh, cover up the fact that E-Corp punished, made sick, uh, did not help, uh, ultimately murdered uh, their parents, Elliot's uh, father, Angela's mother, uh, and all the things that they had worried about, the lawsuit that they had filed that had gotten dropped, all of the negativity that was that is in Elliot's life about these incidents uh, coming back to you know the surface because of F Society. They did a data dump as part of this hack. They've released emails that incriminate Terry Colby, Challenge Beast, as you're saying, in this. Uh, and then Elliot is basically saying, like, my perfect maze crumbling in front of my eyes, yeah. nothing to hide behind. Mr. Robot finally found my bug. And yeah. this is this is bad. This is really bad because he just said the normal life is nice. I could get used to this, maybe even like. It. Right. And I mean, like this information coming out now and coming out the way that it's coming out uh, and Elliot saying that the implication here is like Mr. Robot unearthed this information. 
Oh yeah, he Elliot gets a text on his phone yeah. that makes him turn on the TV. Yeah. Who texted him? The only implication I think is he gets a message from someone at F's side. Right. Yeah. So it's just like, not great. Yeah. Yeah. So it's off to yeah, a bad so- start, and Elliot storms off, and he has uh, a vision of the past. You know, he is seeing. Uh, his mom scolding him when he was a kid, and she seems like she's just the world's greatest mom. Uh, she's like, stop being sad. It's just, you know, it's just your dad. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah, uh, and that's not that's not great. That's probably not the right way to be here. Uh, but that that's what it is. Uh, we see we see that's a really rough scene. It's just a really rough scene. The whole sequence of the bus bench and everything. It's just not great. Yeah, not fantastic. Uh, not really good. Elliot's going to have to work that through. We're going to see how he processes that in a little bit. Having a much better evening is Tyrell Wellick. <laughs> yeah, he is. I mean, because Elliot's sitting there worried, remembering how his mom was just harsh to him. Yeah. Super cold. Don't look so sad. He did this to himself. He's weak and pathetic. In the end, that's what killed him. It's a beautiful night. The weather is nice. And I'm just enjoying my cigarette. I mean, that's that's her. Uh, and Elliot's sitting on the same bench, just remembering that. And meanwhile, Tyrell Wellick just getting down to business. He is ha- he is at Pleasure Town with Ron Burgundy and Veronica Corningstone and the CEO of Evil Corp's assistant. Yes, that is what's happening. Uh, and the the, uh, the instructions have been given uh, to as to what actions Wellick should take. Wellick is taking those actions. Uh, <laughs> he finishes those actions. Yes. He checks his pulse on his watch. I love that. Oh, my does. God. That's such a great detail. Uh, yeah. like he's just finished having sex, and he just immediately checks his pulse. Like, what a, what an alpha type or an alpha wannabe that, like, that is what he has to do. It's just yes. such a great, subtle moment, but really, really in line with what we are coming to learn about Tyrell Wellick. I love that. You're not... You're not you're you're not surprised he's not cuddling here. I, I mean, I, he struck me as a cuddler for sure. He doesn't strike me as a cuddler, but I just I love was, that he <laughs> just love that he's such a perfectionist that he's like, how did I do? How's the pulse? Where, yes. are, we, where are we? Yeah. At? Well, and then he gets up and sort of silently walks to the kitchen, comes back with a towel. He starts cleaning up, you yeah. know, like he's a very the, the, the comment from the assistant is you're a strange creature. Yeah. He's like, nope, I'm a businessman. Yep, I'm a businessman. This is what I do. I get down to business, and <laughs> you're going to have to clean yourself off in the shower. <laughs> yeah. Go to the shower so that I may hack your phone. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and the assistant says, I don't mind being a little dirty. And, and Wellick says, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So please shower. Uh, yes, go away from me. I don't want you here because I do need to hack your phone. I have to hack and your phone. And then I think we, we quickly realized this whole thing, all of it, that was was really just awesome. a utility. It awesome. was just like I just need to. I'll do what I need to do in order to get access to your phone, so I can get more information about the would be CTO. It's so great. There's so much information revealed about Tyrell Wellick in this episode. You know the way that he, uh, the, the way that he's such a perfectionist that he is. You know he literally physically beats himself up in order to be perfect. Uh, when things do not go perfectly, then he has to beat somebody else up. Like he has to take it out on another human being physically there is so much anger there is so much rage there and it explodes you know he has a quiet way about him a lot of the time 
But he's a powder keg, man, and it does not take much to get him just to beat the crap out of a homeless man. And now we see him here, and this is another really interesting look at a guy who had screwed up earlier in the episode, had to take his failures out so violently, and now he's doing something really strategic, really cold-blooded, but this is a very strategic play that he is making to get information on who the new CTO candidate is going to be and how he can get to that guy. And he does it all by just seducing this guy who's going to have that information. Um, really impossible to know whether or not, like, is Tyrell bisexual or anything like that. It really could just be sex as a utility, sex as a weapon. Um, so good. It's really such a great scene. Yeah, uh, and this is the same guy who started his day beating up a homeless man yeah. who's got a pregnant wife at home. Like, this is, uh, this is interesting. Compelling just the way, character. The way he goes about his business, and it makes you wonder, like, what... What isn't this guy willing to do? Yeah. Like, what isn't he willing to do? Like, what lengths will he go to uh, in order to get what he wants? And you wonder how much his wife is in on it and what, what their level of involvement is. Because we saw her earlier kind of saying, what's up? He told her not to wait up. So she knows he's got to go handle business. And we don't know exactly to what extent she knows all the information. But uh, we, see some, we see some business going down, certainly, between the two of them. And it is interesting the lengths that people will go to to get what they want. Because that is sort of the issue between Ollie and Angela as well, right? Because yeah. Cisco, a.k.a. Turtle, has hacked the system, uh, and we know that that's happened, uh, and this is something that is that has gone down, and there, uh, the question is, what lengths is Ollie willing to go to to prevent the information from getting out there? And he talks to Angela about it in the next scene. He basically says, like, hey, I'm coming clean. Like, I'm a horrible person, and this is what I'm going to do. And Angela, you know, he's struggling with it. Ollie doesn't know what to do. Angela is the one who basically says, like, you have to, we have to do what he says. We have to do what the hacker says. Yeah. Uh, I love She's it. willing to go that, that, that length. I love, uh, I love Ollie's question, like, so what do we do? And Angela's like, we break up. <laughs> yeah. yeah this need, is the end of that. We need to break up. Uh, I mean, obviously, like, by the end of the scene, she's like, no, I can't lose you. I don't want to break up with you. I can't do it. Uh, but it's just, it's such a great moment where she's like, we need to be apart. We cannot be together anymore. Yeah, my problem is I can't be with a guy with your problem. With your problem. That's a great line. <laughs> really great yeah. line. So she wants to do the hack job because she's like, I've got right. all my stuff on there, and, you know, this is not good for me. So Angela's prepared to do it. Like I said, she's willing to go to those lengths. In, in this uh, in this particular episode, like I said, a lot of the discussions are, are about, like, what's right and what are people willing to do? What lengths are people willing to go to to pursue what they need to pursue? We see what Wellick is doing. We know what, what Elliot is struggling with vis-a-vis F-Society. And we see what Angela is willing to do in order to do protect herself and her father in this case. Her father comes up. And she says, like, my dad's information is on there. Like, it's not just about you losing your job. It's about me protecting these things. But then at the end, she pivots back, Josh. And she says, I, you're right. I don't want to break up. I don't know about you, Josh, but that felt pretty hollow to me. It does not stay. stay. Does not stay. Yeah. Uh, All right. Enough about Ollie and Angela, but a little bit, tiny bit more on All Safe is it sounds like Elliot's excuse did not fly with Gideon. He is still curious about what happened at the server. Uh, so that yeah. is a bu- that is a bubbling story. TBD on that one. 
yeah, when you say a bubble, remember the bugs bubble up uh, and they, they pop. And so we'll see what comes up with that. And it's tough because Elliot had, had said, you know, like at the end of this, when he's getting up off the park bench, that the bug forces software to adapt and evolve into something new, the next version, the inevitable upgrade. So we don't know what's coming next in that story, but it certainly seems like there is change afoot uh, and that Gideon is not letting it go. And that's not great. Not fantastic. Not great, Bob. Not fantastic. But you know what is fantastic, Josh? When you tell your wife not to wait up and you come home and she, she wants to wait up. Yeah, for sure. She wants to wait up. That's the Tyrell Welling situation uh, as he encounters his pregnant wife in a bondage outfit on their bed. How is the show on USA, Josh? It, this is a great question. Uh, it's really pushing <laughs> boundaries. Again, have not seen white collar, have not seen suits. Saw a tiny bit of Monk. I don't think that Monk would be in this situation. <laughs> I don't think you're seeing Tony Shalhoub in a bonded no. sex scene. <laughs> no, no. But if you are, if you know where to watch that, let, do <laughs> yeah, let, me let know. us know. Hit me up on Twitter yeah. at AC Mazzaro. Yeah, we're like curious. We'd like to talk about that. Uh, yeah. So, yes. So how do you spell Tony Shalhoub, by the way? <laughs> I don't care. We don't need to go there. Let's worry about other okay. stuff. Is it S H A L L L U B E? I don't know how many L's. Oh, Tony Shalhoub. Uh, but yeah, we've got, you know, we've got Tyrell, Tyrell Well. He comes home. Uh, his wife is ready to do it. He has just done it. She probably knows, also probably doesn't care, just wants to get this thing going on. Uh, can't get it tight enough either. You know, it's like first the arms, then the feet. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, we're not done. Uh, so it's great. And, you know, we wondered about how in league with Tyrell is she and the way that they're talking about things it really does feel like this two-headed dragon sort of situation yes Um, where you know earlier in the episode i think you're a little nervous for her you know she seems nice uh we've seen what tyrell has already done earlier in the episode beating up the guy um she seems like a pleasant enough individual uh concerned like oh is this for you or is this for us and like that's like a great question to ask you know the spouse that you're concerned about that you are you know worried about is doing something nefarious but the way that they're talking now really suggests that she is into the nefarious stuff uh and that's not a commentary on her you know sexual preferences or anything like that all of that aside even though it's a very evocative scene um yeah those are farious (laughs) they're not nefarious those are farious yeah i think totally farious um but i think i think that you know the way that she is engaging him about well i think we ought to take those people out to dinner like right away yep um, you yep. know, she's in, she is, she is all in on this. Uh, and that makes her, you know, just as we already learned so much about Tyrell in this episode through a good many scenes in two scenes alone, we now know quite a bit about his wife. Yes. And yet there is a little bit of mystery, not in just how much does she know? How much is she involved? We're seeing that it's more than we may have originally anticipated, In this kind of a weird detail of their relationship, Tyrell Wellick is speaking Swedish to his wife, Joanna. Right. She is speaking Danish back to him. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. And that is is something that people have verified throughout. I mean, it's not something clearly, if you know anything about both languages, it's not hidden. There are great similarities between the two, but they are speaking – He's speaking Swedish to her. She understands the Swedish, but is speaking Danish back to him. So that is what's going on there. Uh, they have a very interesting relationship. I think we'll, we'll definitely want to plant a flag in, uh, and we're going to track, I think, throughout Careful the Careful where you plant of, that flag. 
Well, you know, just, uh, just, just, you know, I can take it for a little while, right. at least uh, only a little while. Okay. It doesn't matter what my situation is. Jim. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. And then we end the episode. Elliot, who we had not seen since he left Gideon's, he goes straight back to F society. Uh, the button has been pushed. The bug has been found. He's been rebugged. Uh, and now he is ready to play ball with F society, perhaps even ski ball with F society as he shows up and he says, Here's the plan. And I just love the beautiful tr- transition to the credits. It's just really fantastic stuff. Yeah, I got some nice opera playing. Uh, there isn't really, I don't think, any significance of the particular song choice, but, uh, you know, just beautiful kind of singing going on. A sort of wordless organization there at F Society. People want to huddle around Elliot when he shows up. Mr. Robot is there. He's reading the same book he was reading last episode. Uh, they all huddle around Elliot, and he gives it the hear the plan. Elliot seems to have evolved, as he was saying, the inevitable upgrade. Uh, This may be Elliot 2.0 in the context of the episodes we've seen so far. He is ready to work with F Society again, in part because Mr. Robot found his bug and exposed a flaw in his thinking that uh, he could be manipulated through. And so here we are. That's the end of the episode. That's the end of the episode. That's the end of the spoiler-free section. We'll be back next week with episode four, recapping that one. Uh, mild spoiler alert. It's great. It's a great episode. And I'm really excited for the people who have not watched that episode yet to encounter that one. You're going to have a really fun time with that. That's not the end of the podcast. We are going to hop into the spoiler filled section in just a minute here. Hashtag. If you don't want to go that far and you're just going to stop here, you want to go with orange teeny Swedish psycho. I like Swedish psycho, Swedish psycho. All right. Swedish psycho tweet that our way. Antonio is at AC Mazzaro two Z's one R. I'm at round Howard tweet that our way. Hashtag Swedish psycho. Don't forget, subscribe to what we're doing. Post your recaps.com slash MR robot iTunes. Leave us some ratings. Leave us some reviews. If you like what we're doing, if you're going to stick around for the spoiler filled section, just stay right there. Otherwise get out of here. You want to leave right now. We're going to talk about some really, really spoilerific stuff coming up in just a second. We are back. We are now officially in the spoiler section of our Mr. Robot Episode 3 recap. Final warning, if you are still here, if you were listening to the spoiler-free section and you are now suddenly in the spoiler-filled zone, get out of here. Leave. This place is not Yeah, spoiler, 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 spoiler. Yeah, spoiler, both, spoiler. Kids sur- both kids survive at the end of Jurassic Park. <laughs> Although it was really a close call for poor Lex. Uh, that raptor really almost snatched her up, if not for the quick thinking of Dr. Alan Graham. Spoiler alert, they make it. It's they fine. It. It's fine. All right. Now that is done. Let's talk about Mr. Robot from a spoiler perspective. Antonio, before we started this, you said you just want to take the lead. You've got thoughts. Well, I mean, what about the bug, Josh? Is Mr. Robot Elliot's bug? Of is course. that what we're doing? Yeah. Is that, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is absolutely it, right? Yeah. yeah like. It's great. I mean, let's just go back to what was said, you know, when Elliot is talking about debugging. Uh, debugging is not about fixing a mistake. It's about finding the bug and understanding why it was there. It came to you to deliver a message. Its existence was no accident, like an unconscious bubble floating to the surface, popping with a revelation you had known all along. That is Mr. Robot. He is describing his alternate personality. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's there to gum up the works until you make a call, kill me or embrace me. Uh, that is, uh, in some ways, because of Elliot's suicide attempt at the end of episode two, kind of exactly what he's been dealing with and right. will deal with in episode eight or sorry, episode nine, like kill, kill or embrace. Like these are, these are the things that are happening and the decisions that Elliot is making vis-a-vis Mr. Robot throughout the course of this first season. So that is there. For sure. Yeah, it's it's that it's great. You know, this this whole thing, it's planted all throughout the season uh, really excellently. And right here in this episode, you know, this whole episode is about that. And what's crazy, too, is like Elliot is the guy who, you know, reveals this Terry Colby information, obviously, because he is Mr. Robot. Um, So so for that to come out, that is really the Tyler Durden side of him being like, come on out, Edward Norton. You're coming out to play. You don't get to sleep through this one. I'm getting you back out of here. And man, I really hope that when we get to season two, we really get to see some of that nasty side from Rami Malek. I mean, I love having Christian Slater on the show and I never want him to leave, but I really want to see him in that mode. Yeah, uh, and you're right. It is it is something that I never want to see. It's it's crazy because you wonder in some of these scenes, like Christian Slater and and Rami Malek talking in All Safe, or the bartender having to deal with this crazy person at the bar who doesn't want anything, and then maybe is talking to somebody while the bartender is sitting there, just talking to himself, like right. typical New York thing. How many Mr. Robots do you encounter on a daily basis in New York, Josh, the days you leave the house? Not a ton. Like just seeing... <laughs> But you see people sometimes talking to themselves, sure. looking crazy, uh, and you just wonder what they're what they're de- what bugs they're dealing with in their lives. But this is that scene in the um, in the bar is great scene because this is Elliot's subconscious talking to him. Elliot's dad telling him like your dad probably didn't mean it. Like Elliot knows deep down that his dad didn't mean to hurt him, that his dad just didn't understand how to communicate with him, that he shouldn't be mad at his dad for so long. These aren't flaws in in his thinking. This is his subconscious knowing and trying to tell him, like, do, you know, don't, don't hold this grudge for so long. And yet there is this side of him that Mr. Robot also represents that brings out the negative side, that brings out the darkness, that brings out the violence. So it isn't just this sort of binary state where Mr. Robot is the dark side of Elliot and Elliot is the light side of Elliot or whatever. It is that Mr. Robot represents Elliot's subconscious in all the ways. And he's often telling Elliot, like, your dad didn't mean it. I'm sorry. Like, don't do this. Right. So it isn't just a binary thing. I think it's fascinating. You know what also I've been thinking about is this line he says, like, you know, we can either cause a big ruckus here in the office or you can come have apple teenies with me. Either way, I'm going to have a good time. And I've been thinking a lot yeah. about, like, why does Mr. Robot need to wake up Elliot? Doesn't it work better for him if Elliot's not aware of Mr. Robot? Uh, but I'm thinking about that kind of from, like, a logic perspective. Like, wouldn't it make more sense for Mr. Robot to just, like, operate unhinged and unimpeded and if Elliot the true Elliot is a pretty decent good enough guy who is not going to like what this guy has planned why would he go after that guy and I think maybe the answer is because it's fun 
uh, because I like it, because I like playing this game, because I am enjoying, uh, you know, kind of being manipulative here. And I think that that's the side of Elliot that we are seeing here when Mr. Robot is saying, you know, I'll be disruptive. I'll do this. Let's just have fun. Like, could it be as simple as maybe he's bored? He's lonely. He wants to he wants to poke the bear. And it's just that it's just a guy who is, you know, to quote Ron, to go with Ron Burgundy again, who's foolish enough to go into the bear pit because at the time it seems like a good idea and maybe it's more dangerous than he realizes. Yeah, I think that that's right. And I just think that it's the fun, the fun part of it is a part of it. I also think you have to keep in mind, Ellie at the end of episode two is ready to kill himself. Like that is a suicide attempt. And for Ellie to be on board with the rest of this thing, for him to be willing to go to steel mountain, for him to be willing to get off drugs or go through the things he goes through in order to make this thing happen. He can't be suicidal. He has to have his head straight enough. As Darlene tells him, get a grip in this episode. He has to get a grip enough to carry, carry through all these plans. And the guy who's trying to kill himself is not the guy who's doing that so it isn't just about you know having fun which is a huge part of that that's right it's also about let me try to calm you down a little bit let me talk you off that ledge let me tell you don't be so upset with your dad that you're lost and you're jumping off of a rail thinking about some guy who pushed you for that like don't do that instead maybe forgive him a little bit maybe focus on the fun maybe have an apple teeny maybe do these things and maybe let's get some revenge on the people who actually put your dad in that position instead of getting revenge on yourself because your dad put you in that position that's an and i think that reason. that's a really powerful thing i just think that elliot's subconscious is so so awesomely twisted but he does know on some level uh, that that self-harm is not necessarily the way to go. And I think this is really interesting in light of what he goes through next episode and who's really there for him when he's at his lowest low. So I think we'll definitely talk about that in the spoiler action, uh, section next episode yeah, as well. Yeah, I think so too. But I just think, you know, I think, you know, with Mr. Robot, I think it's a guy who... There are times where I feel like, you know, you're talking about a a much more layered person than sometimes I see him as. Uh, Sometimes I just see him as a rage monster, uh, as really just like a nightmare creature who is truly, you know, the worst manifestation of Elliot. Um, And I think that, you know, we we could talk that through forever. And I'm sure that we will as we keep talking about the show uh, and talk about the Elliot is Mr. Robot of it all of it all. Um, I also think, though, that there's just an idea that Mr. Robot has nothing to lose. And I think that that's the scariest person. You know, the person who has an extreme cause, and if it ends tomorrow because you are no longer there, then uh, what what would he say? He'd say, like, say la vie or whatever he says. And, yeah, say la mort. Yeah, say la, say la mort. You know, people, like, he, yeah. would, he, would, he would just be like, you snap your fingers, well, you're gone, so it's over. Um, and I think that, you know, he obviously has an agenda, he wants to push it, but in the moment where he is pushing Elliot over the edge that aspect of Elliot is you know not really taking safety into account that aspect of Elliot is ready to just let that go if he falls on the rocks in a bad way that's a man who has nothing to lose that's a terrifying creature yeah and and it is there is that I think there definitely is is the terrifying element of it but I also think there's the element that is smart enough to recognize that Maybe the the real bad guys are not you and they're not Mr. Robot. They're the guys who did this to you. And don't take it out on yourself. Take it out on them. Uh, And I think that it's interesting that Mr. Robot ultimately is the one to sort of talk him into a position 
where he's happy in this episode, where he's able to, to live the normal life for a moment. But then, but then, he then punks also him. he punks him. I was going to say, but then also that he's then he's got him on solid footing. He's not wobbling around. So once he's on solid footing, then he pushes then him off the ledge again. He pushes him over well, again. Um, well, not not directly. Then he pushes him in a different direction. He doesn't push him down. He pushes him forward. And I think that that's the, the key element is that he's still controlling. He is still devious and evil and chaotic and all the things you're saying. It's just not ultimately something that is going to lead directly to Elliot's demise like it could have last episode. And I think that that, that shows how screwed up Elliot is. I think that, that, that the chaos of Mr. Robot can lead him to take it out on himself, uh, or it can push him in a very specific direction and lead him to take it out on others. And I think that's the healthier one. If you want to say one's healthier, it's healthier that he get revenge on Evil Corp than himself for how his dad treated him. But I think throughout this season, Elliot's going to struggle with this for sure. Yeah, yeah I think so too. Um, did Elliot drink two apple teenies? <laughs> well, right. Like how did that all play out? Did he drink two apple teenies? Was, was he just imagining that Mr. Robot already had one? Right. Did he realize that Mr. Robot never spoke to the bartender? How did that all play out? Weird scene for sure. Weird scene for sure. But I think, you know, if, if you're taking it through the idea that he's imagining uh, Mr. Robot drinking an apple teeny, then part of Elliot wants an apple teeny. And that is not a very Elliot thing to <laughs> yeah. order, I don't think. Good point. Good you know, point. Which is, which is kind of interesting that like there is a part of him that probably would like to go to a Marvel movie and then go out for apple teenies afterwards. Yeah. Good point. Good point. So I don't know. It, it's it interesting is, coming it's, from the guy who talks about Coke or Pepsi, McDonald's or Burger King, Hyundai or Honda. Uh, for that guy to at least on some subconscious level want an apple teeny. Like I've, it sounds like a joke, but I think that that's actually interesting that he's going for the double apple teeny. Well, let me let me take it a little deep here and just say that ultimately Elliot talks a lot in Mr. Robot about the things, quote unquote, normal people use to get through society like zombies, the things that we focus on. Marvel movies are a good example of that. This is something that we all use to dull ourselves against the realities around us that if we focused on those realities always, we would live very negative lives. And Elliot, I think, recognizes as a drug addict that you can use certain opiates, uh, whether they're actual opiates or whether what some people would call opiates of the masses, be they pop culture, entertainment, whatever, Elliot recognizes that you can dull yourself to the effects of society through those things, just like you can do through actual drugs. And I think he's recognizing like, hey, uh, I understand some people in Appletini is alcohol, but some people will use this Appletini to do the same thing I do with morphine, to take themselves and put a little nice little happy maze around themselves and so they can hear Steal My Sunshine from Len Play. Like, that is ultimately, I think he recognizes that. I, I think you're right. I think he can, he can live on the fringes of society and still recognizes what people do to try to be normal. And I think he tries to wear that hat a little bit in this episode. And I think we see him being not great at doing it uh, because he's a little more screwed up than somebody who can just go to a Marvel movie to make themselves happy versus somebody who may need to fill that hole with something a lot more serious like Elliot does. Yeah. I also do like the other possibility that he chugged an Appletini and then like slowly sipped an Appletini. And in which case he's definitely a little bit more than buzzed. So he <laughs> is buzzing through Steal My Sunshine. Yes, that's also – well, and then he gets coffee, right? So he's got sugar on top of sugar uh, on top of alcohol. He is effed up yeah. right there. Right. He is F society yeah. up. Um, he's going to crash at some What else from a spoiler uh, perspective? There's a lot on Tyrell Wellick we could get into. Where do you want to go? Yeah, I think we should talk about Wellick. Uh, I actually want to talk about Wellick from the jump. 
Um, he talks about how he recognizes that there's 73 vulnerabilities for hackers within e- eCorp systems. He's mentioning that in his CTO speech. He c- tells himself, don't be a cold robot. Right. That whole sequence ends with him seeing uh, someone that he will later kill dead, Josh. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I didn't really even notice that until you brought, you pointed it out to me that um, the woman that he is going to murder, I'm blanking on her name off the top of my head, uh, the CTO's <laughs> wife. Uh, yeah, it's Sharon something. I can't remember exactly yeah, what Sharon, her full name sure, is. Sure, 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 yes. But Sharon, yeah, he's going to kill Sharon. Sharon Knowles. It's going to be a really uncomfortable scene. Um, and it's it's seated early. You know, this show really starts planting things right from the jump. Really... Um, you know, it's really meticulously crafted uh, from the storytelling perspective. You know, talking about how we saw Joanna in a, in a picture in episode two. Uh, and now we're seeing Sharon here, who is going to be a big part of Tyrell's story moving forward. It's cool. Well, and yeah, and Joanna references Sharon later. She says, did she get the job? And Elliot says, no, it's her, it's her husband. And then that's when Joanna says, we have to have dinner with them as soon as possible. Right. So Elliot has already told Joanna you about Tyrell. Sharon. Tyrell, yeah. Or Tyrell is already well. Are they the same person? Well, Josh? No. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't. Think well, there is a big theory that that emanates with some information from this episode that okay. Elliot and Tyrell may be the same person. The key detail from that theory, and this is a theory that comes from Reddit. I apologize. I don't have uh, the easy the username who posted this, but um, this is a a good kind of uh, detailed theory about that this person pulls in, in from multiple different uh, episodes. Ultimately, we've got Tyrell with his left hand punching the bum repeatedly. Left, 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 left. Only his left. Then Elliot's left hand in the hospital is the one that is screwed up. Uh, And there is clearly some kind of relationship between the two of them. We've talked about this in previous spoiler sections of this particular podcast, where we talked about how... Is it possible that when Tyrell brings Elliot into the office and says, you know, this is where you should be here with me, uh, when they accidentally, quote unquote, meet up at Steel Mountain later, is this actually not an accident? And I think there may be some information here when Elliot, when Tyrell is talking specifically about all the security weaknesses that he knows that Evil Corp has. Uh, and the fact that we can tell he's already really plotting this whole I want to be CTO scam, that his wife is in it very deeply, that Elliot or that that Tyrell is probably there's something going on that we're not seeing with Tyrell in this story, and that he he may be more directly involved with F society from the jump in order to get himself to be like maybe what happened was he said, I'm going to help you with this hack. I'm going to help you cover it up. In exchange, I want you to frame Terry Colby. Yeah. And if you frame Terry Colby, I'll get to be the new CTO and we're good to go. Like maybe he was in, in league with Elliot for that part of it. And that's what, that's what we haven't seen. And I think that will be remaining to be seen in season two, the extent of their previous relationship. There is a crazy awesome scene. We're going to reference a ton between Joanna and Elliot later in the season that I don't know what the reasoning for that is, but I think we need to track throughout that Elliot and Tyrell may know each other, may have known each other before the events of what we've seen on screen bring them together, and that I think that there's a lot going on with Tyrell that we're not seeing uh, that is already happening with his wife. She already knows about Sharon Knowles without ever having anyone tell her about it that we see on screen. So stuff is happening that we're not seeing. Yeah, that's why I'm really getting excited to uh, talk about episode five. Uh, and as much as I'm really pumped to talk about episode four next week, because that's a you know that's a robot hole for sure. Uh, but you know the Tyrell and Elliot interactions in episode five 
are going to be great. That's going to be really cool. Yeah, and the fact that Tyrell disappears uh, at you know at a certain point, uh, and we don't really know, uh, and we'll get into the trailer very quickly here, but he's mentioned in the trailer for the second season by President Obama, Josh. So yeah, like this is what's happening, and ultimately the Tyrell uh, story is fascinating to me, and I think one that. I could watch this series five or six times through and really not have a full grip on. And I think that that's fascinating. No matter how many times I watch these episodes, I'm getting rewarded more and more with little details or interesting little statements. Yep. Tyrell calling himself a cold robot. Never something I never thought about. There's a lot of time. that, isn't there? Like there's a lot of yeah. him like referring to himself in a mechanical way. And I wonder, you know, how much of that is like, how much should we be tracking? That is a lot of that to like start throwing people off the scent on the first watch. Um, but I hadn't really noticed it before. So like, it's got, to be something once you're starting to really really dig into the details that that's why that's there yeah yeah and that and that i think uh still a lot to be seen as i said we don't really know how that ultimately plays out so that's fascinating and again more to that we don't really know if there's a reason why wellick is speaking swedish to his wife but she's speaking danish back we don't really know the full you know the full story of that if if there's a, a greater reason for that and if that is at the beginning of something as you're saying the show plants seeds long before they sprout so is this something that will be relevant in season two? I don't know, but I do think that it's fascinating. It's not sad. I'll tell you what is sad. How about when Shayla says to Elliot, don't let me. <laughs> oh, that's awful. It's really, you uh, know, they really, you know, they're building this out from pretty early on. The whole fact that like, did you do this? Like, did you, uh, did you throw Fernando in there? And uh, he's like, no, I didn't do it. And she says, you know, don't let me down. All of that. It's so brutal when you know where it's going. Yeah. It's just so weird because all of that, like Elliot says no to her in that moment. That's clearly a lie. We know it's a lie. I think Elliot knows it's a lie, but stuff is happening with Elliot that he's just forgetting. Like yeah. we know that he's not remembering that he's recording F society videos, for example, or that he's involved in these things that are happening concurrently or as the things going on, he's just forgetting time and forgetting that these things are happening. And so you do wonder how much is Elliot ultimately forgetting? Like for example, last week he asked, he and Shayla were talking about radiators. He's looking at his radiator. He starts looking up like industrial radiator kind right. of stuff. Like he's looking up and that's what gives him the idea for steel mountain. And that's an idea that he ultimately tells the team, I think, at the end of this episode, going into episode four, we know that his plan involves the, the temperature system and that he thought of it because of what was happening in his home. But how much of that is he remembering? How much of that was the original plan? Yeah. How, right. It's just crazy. So who knows with Elliot, ultimately, if he remembers everything that's going on or not, I do think it's fascinating. Anything more episode-specific you want to talk about, or should we talk about that ridiculous trailer for season two that dropped since our last podcast? Yeah, let's talk about the trailer. I just I want to give a quick shout-out to uh, user Schuberto at Reddit, who posts our podcast there for everybody. There's so many great theories about this show on Reddit. I love reading what everyone has to say there, and I'm, I'm happy that our podcasts are being shared there, because I hope people will get into kind of this analysis, this level of analysis with this show, because I do think it's rewarding. I think people are doing that about this trailer we're talking about, Josh. Yeah. Uh, this season two trailer drop. So many, there's Easter eggs within the trailer 
trailer. There are Easter eggs kind of that people are talking about. So why don't you tell me what your impression of this trailer was? Because I saw it when it dropped and you didn't have the ability to jump right on and watch it while everyone was freaking out about it this week. No, I was working. Uh, I was busy working. I was I, a rare moment where I wasn't at my computer. That doesn't happen. AF, you were AFK? I was AFK for the first time. Trying to do this AFK, Josh? Yeah, I went AFK for the first time in a while. I was on an assignment and I just get like texts from Antonio being like, ah, Roboto trailer, it's here. Blah. Uh, and then I watched it and my reaction is very similar uh, because so much is happening. President Obama's going to be on Mr. Robot season two. That's pretty exciting, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there uh, apparently they got Obama. That's great, Josh. Yeah, Mister Mister Obama. Uh, yeah. So, so he President Bagenstos. <laughs> yeah, he's in there. Yeah, Doctor Pete is showing up on Mister Robot, and I don't know how oh, they. Yeah. I don't know how they how they do that. I mean, technology is awesome these days. Like the way that they're like you know manipulating the way that you know his mouth is going off and like the sound, like the acting. I think you. I was it you who had some problems with the with the Obama voice. Yeah, yeah uh, the uh, the voice impression uh, is not the best, but uh, yeah, it's, it's not right. a great Obama. It works. It's it not works. a great Obama. It, it, works. it works. It's look, it's utilitarian. Like it has it has its impact. It definitely has its function. But yeah, this is fascinating. I remember growing up, Josh Conan O'Brien had to use a fake mouth on a celebrity's <laughs> sure. face. Yeah, of course. And here we are. Now they have the real thing happening. So <laughs> this is crazy. There are Easter eggs in this trailer. There's an evidence box that you only see like a one second shot of. If you freeze frame it, there's an actual 212 phone number on it. If you call the 212 phone number on the evidence box, you get an E-Corp helpline. Oh my God. Uh, and you get information to go to a website and all these things. Then F Society cuts into that message. It's crazy. So there are Easter eggs within the trailer for this season two, Josh, let alone what's happening in the trailer. Yeah, I mean – there's a couple of things that were really very exciting to me. One is Tyrell Wellick, who is being identified as, you know, the head of F Society by no greater authority than President Obama himself. Yep. But we see him wearing the Monopoly mask. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy that that's happening. So that, we at least we know that he Wellick. will be on the show, even though he is missing at the moment. Um, yeah. That's, that's really cool. I'm really curious to see, like, how that affects his role moving forward. Is he going to – is this is this wrong? Is he, like, wrongfully being accused? Is he really going to step up, you know, his sort of um, – his renegade game? What's going to happen with that? I just – I love that. I think that that was, that was just a great shot where you could just so clearly tell that it's the same guy. Yeah, and uh, it is. It's really cool that that's happening. There, the stuff with Angela. I mean, clearly that's going to play a bigger part in this season. I think a lot of people by the end of the season are like, "How does Angela end up working for E Corp? And is that the wrong ending for this character?" And it doesn't make a lot of sense. There's a lot of discussions about her being ultimately like a fallen angel. That her name is Angela. Yeah. That Ollie in this, even in this episode, is saying she's too good for the for the world. Uh, that would be the angelic nature of Angela. That if she she is a fallen angel. What is she participating in? Um, the quote that's on the helpline when you call the Easter egg from the number ties into this philosophical secret society that is built on a doctrine of theology and esoteric truths and all these things. Like, is that a secret society that is somehow Angela is going to get involved in? We yeah. see these kind of, again, the eyes wide shut type stuff with the people in Monopoly masks, like very weird stuff going on. And is trailer. that real or is that, you know, visionary stuff? Because we've certainly seen, well, you know, we've seen Elliot down the rabbit hole before. We're about to talk about that in a big way in episode four. Yeah, I mean, it's really very weird. Uh, it's just I, we don't ultimately know 
the, the problem with this show, I, if it's going to be a problem, is once we sort of unlock the robot of it all, uh, and there's my of it all for the episode, fair, once fair. we unlock that, once we unlock that, um, how are we going to really like say, oh, Elliot's just in his own head again? Like, where do we go once we've done that? And for people, I think, who who saw the twist coming, even as far as this episode, and there is a lot of discussion on Reddit from the real time this episode aired about ultimately like it's clear that Mr. Robot is a manifestation of Elliot's mind. Yeah. Like other characters aren't reacting to him. There's all this talk of the bug. It fits. Like people are recognizing it. And I don't think this twist was meant to be all that shocking. I really don't. No. I do think to I a agree. certain extent it's telegraphed. I yeah. I agree. Yeah. And I and think so, especially like in between the episodes where uh Mr. Robot, are you my dad? Like and then like that week in between I think that you're probably thinking, and again, I binged it, so I don't know, but my guess is that enough astute people are coming to this that they kind of are like, all right, that's locked up. I got that. I know what's going on here. Doesn't take away anything from the significance of the moment. I mean, this is a show that I think you're supposed to figure out, like, or at least it's inviting you to solve its problems. Yeah, and I would argue that it's almost a better show once you know that, because then you can watch these scenes, like the scene in the bar, and talk about or think about the, the sort of thing that we're talking about, where we're debating, like, what part of Elliot's subconscious is this Mr. Robot character? Is he just the truly evil, negative guy all the time, or is he a guy with a specific agenda yeah. who maybe is a little dangerous and is recognizing he needs to push Elliot in one direction or another, uh, and is he is he at war with himself a lot of the time? And I think once you recognize that, I think Mr. Robot becomes a lot more interesting of a character on the show and the question will become in season two what do we get out of that like is it ultimately when we see in the trailer elliot and mr robot in a hotel room with mr robot holding a gun to elliot's head are we meant to assume that elliot's sitting in a hotel room suicidal with a gun to his own head ready to pull the trigger i think we are i think that that'll make it very interesting in season two when we do see christian slater and mr robot it's interesting when we see him at the end of the season so i'm really looking forward to the Elliot's kind of own where his own headspace is in season two. It's very clear to me that it's not going to be clear for Elliot. Yeah, especially because you see him in that moment where he's got like the bandages wrapped on his head and he's just like guffawing at the camera. That's a really yeah. haunting split second shot. That's really, really terrible. What's great though is because like you can go back, you can watch the show, and once you know the secret, you know, once you know that Elliot's bug is Mr. Robot and you're going through all of that and you're watching Christian Slater's work as a manifestation of Elliot's other personality that's really really fun but what's going to be awesome about season two is now everyone is going to know in terms of the audience completely knowing and Elliot himself now being aware as well and how they choose to handle those character interactions that's you know we're talking about how Tyrell Wellick and what's going on with him is going to be like one of the reasons to be excited about season two but overall my biggest excitement about season two is just seeing these two characters Mr. Robot and Elliot interacting now that the jig is up, uh, now that now that the that the number is out, and he knows what's going on at least to some degree, and then to what degree does he not know what's going on? I think that's going to be a really cool battle. Yeah, and and it, this is a show where that the show can exist on that level, and it's philosophical, and it's fascinating, and it's all of that. But you know, they can create a trailer where the trailer actually had an ARG in it, like that that Easter egg ties into some other code, and that people were working on unlocking, and it maybe it leads to people getting in a, in a contest and getting an F Society uniform uh, and seeing all these things. So uh, th this is a show that, like Lost, Josh, I think in many ways 
is introducing things that have philosophical impact and you can discuss on a character level, but also maybe have this crazier thing about them where they're just having a lot of fun with the audience. And I think this trailer serves both of those masters in a way that makes me really excited for season two, both from a buzz standpoint and from I can't wait to watch the episodes and analyze them standpoint. All right. Anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, I just I wish I would have unlocked that 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 Easter egg so I could have got my F Society uniform. I'm really sad. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I'm sure that there's going to be plenty of other Easter eggs along the way. Don't know if we've got an obvious hashtag for the spoiler filled section unless one springs to mind for you. No, I don't have one. Uh, I don't have one at all. All right. We made it. How about that? Hashtag. We made it. We made it. We made it. it. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. All right. Well, if you got all the way through the spoiled filled section, let us know. We'll talk about it. We will be back next week talking about episode four. Feel like that's going to be a heavy discussion once we're, you know, kind of trying to interpret this weird hallucination that Elliot is going to have. Uh, That's going to be really fun to unpack. Follow Antonio. He's on Twitter at AC Mazzaro. Two Z's, one R. I'm at Round Howard. Anything else, Antonio? No, that's it. I really encourage people, if they are so inclined, uh, to get into Reddit and, and on play around with all the little ARG features that are going on right now, uh, or just the you know the alternate reality kind of aspects of what the show is doing to promote season two because they are really fun. I know I said that uh, at the end of last episode. Uh, there's still you know a lot of great stuff to kind of poke around with and find uh, with Mr. Robot what they're doing and who is Mr. Robot.com and with yeah. stuff linked to the trailer. So definitely worth checking out. I encourage everybody who's enjoying. Uh, this show and really getting into it deeply to do that. The other thing I'll say before I finish this is I know people probably binge the show. I know a lot of people are, are tweeting at us or posting and telling us they watch the show. They're thankful for watching the show. I think it's worth rewatching. Even if you just watched it, just go back and watch it again. It's crazy good. Antonio's so, favorite I think thing a lot is to watch it. the same show like 30 times before, you know, he does anything else. This is your move. It is. But this is, this is one where I don't have to hate myself and have opportunities <laughs> yeah. at the end, Josh. This is not Scream Queens. This show is definitely inviting multiple looks. We are done here. That is going to be a great day at work, Antonio. This was fun. Yeah, a full day, full day. Got to talk to the boss, got to beat up a hobo, you know, got everything. Got to fit in everything here. Lots happening here. All right, we'll be back next week. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. Bye-bye.